What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions of a curly mind. Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Blue In Green Podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name's Imran and uh, well, I couldn't be frankly more excited uh, about today's episode. Uh, we have the incredible uh, fortune and opportunity to sit down and discuss uh, all things Teotima with the incredible Greg Sanders, the architect architect of the uh, of this just phenomenal ensemble. Uh, regular listeners to Blue In Green Radio will know uh, what a devoted fan uh, I've genuinely become of of, of them uh, and uh, their stunning music. They they released their debut record in 2013. Uh, it's called Counting the Ways through First Word Recordings. As I said, came out in 2013. Their follow-up came out in 2019. It was called Weightless. And uh, after a six-year hiatus, they were able to uh, come back and, and create the stunning music that we've come to know and love them for. Uh, we, with Greg and I, have the incredible chance to discuss both projects. We discussed the time in between projects, which was productive, for lack of a better word, for all members. They've just well, all gone on to be a part of so many different projects. Uh, and uh, it's just really exciting to sort of sit down and talk about how they all came about and how the group sort of got together and uh, where, they, where they're going from here and it's uh, really super excited about the conversation um, yeah he's uh, such a great guy we had a very pleasant chat and um, yeah as I said I'm really excited to present it to you guys now um, before we do a uh, quick reminder that Blue in, the Blue in Green podcast runs in conjunction with uh, Blue in Green Radio so please feel free to visit us at www.blueingreenradio.com uh, where you can find uh, our our constantly never-ending 24 hours a day stream uh, of our London-based radio station which features shows from across the world, from Japan, from Australia, from the States, and of course London. So we're always just immeasurably proud of what we're able to put out into the world and to our wonderful uh, team. So um, yeah, we'd love you to check us out, as well as the full catalogue of our past podcasts. Uh, I think uh, this is episode 42, if my numbers are right. And um, it's just been, uh, yeah, we started in January 2019, and it's been a great series. We release episodes on the first, second, and third Mondays of the month. Uh, we primarily talk to Blue and Green Radio presenters, but as with uh, this episode right now, we have the incredible opportunity to sort of jump in and talk music with just uh, just genuine heroes. Uh, past episodes have included uh, Pete Cunningham from the Ishmael Ensemble, uh, saxophonist Sean Kahn, Jesse Fisher uh, from Brooklyn, uh, Billy Orkstick as well. Uh, from New York, uh, Joe Pignato uh, from Bright Dog Red. So we've, yeah, just a great run of just brilliant, brilliant artists that have given their time and uh, agreed to chat to us, which is the best thing in the world. Uh, back to today's episode, uh, regular listeners of the podcast will know we pick two songs uh, for each episode. Our guest picks the closing number and uh, I have the, uh, the opportunity, the, um, the great luxury of picking the opening number. And uh, today's uh, uh, opening one is absolutely a Tio Tima record. And I figured I would go to probably what I believe is the first song of theirs I ever uh, stumbled upon. And it would be, I think, the lead single from their 2019 Weightless album, which is what I heard first before going back to, to uh, the 2013 project Counting the Ways. So I'm going to kick it off with um, But I Can't, which is, uh, yeah, I said it was a double A side with uh, their track Suddenly came out like a month before the album. So uh, this is uh, the first time you're hearing a T.O. Tima song. You're in for an absolute treat. Uh, huge thanks as well to Greg Sanders. Massive shout out to the wonderful label that is First Word Records. And um, to everyone involved in T.O. Tima. So uh, yeah, I very much hope you enjoy today's episode. Cheers. 
Okay, thank you so much. And it's such an incredibly unsociable hour. So thank you again for taking the time to see everything. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Uh, how, how does your evening yeah, find you? Uh, has it been a long, tiresome day? Quite a long day. I'm doing quite a lot of teaching at the moment. And um, oh, I, live in, I live in southeast London in Peckham, but on Thursdays I teach at a school. So. Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm there. I leave about 7.30, do, do a whole day of teaching and then come back take it easy and then I'm doing a bit more that's like one-to-one guitar lessons and then tomorrow wow. I'm actually I've just started doing a couple of actual like classroom music lessons with classes of 30 teenagers which is kind of hilarious but 
<laughs> why is it why is it hilarious is it quite is it as daunting oh, as it sounds a, or? well yeah it's it's a it's a girls school and there's 30 <laughs> of them in a in a class oh my and gosh like, you know music is the classic lesson for people to just mess up you know people who want to mess around music is the lesson that they'll mess around so yeah. When I was at school, it was religious studies. That was the one that everyone okay. went crazy on. <laughs> the RS teacher, I chat to her in the staff room sometimes. The RS teacher at this school is pretty no nonsense. So I don't, oh, think, okay. Very I don't cool. think they've got their opportunity to mess around in RS. <laughs> so they've got to do it in music instead. Yeah. How long have you no, been no, teaching? Cool. Cool. Yeah, on and off since I graduated from, from my undergraduate, really. Um, just oh, wow. like, you know, yeah. So, I mean, not, like not loads, not full time. But um, mm. just at the beginning of this year, I just got offered a couple of like new bits of teaching and I just kind of thought, yeah, normally it's one to one. So right. I've been that's what I mean, I've been doing that since I graduated. I've only been doing the classroom stuff for three weeks. It's pretty it must be an incredibly yeah. fulfilling thing, I guess, particularly for the one to one stuff. You're teaching someone that eureka moment when something makes sense to them. That must be an incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. It is cool. Like the, uh, the way I... Uh, like to teach is like teaching you know kind of teaching them so that eventually they wouldn't need a teacher so they can just kind of like look at music or listen to music and work out what's going on by themselves um and I'm kind of doing that in the classroom as well and that's also satisfying when despite like the ones who are messing around and shouting at me there's some other ones who are just like (laughs) with because yeah it is like that but then there's some other ones with headphones on who are just like getting on with it and like working out how to play what I've asked them to play and that's that's cool yeah how does it work when you were starting out what was that process like when you were learning did you learn in this same sort of environment or did you self-teach or self-taught stuff um uh, kind of both I guess um I uh, I started having classical guitar lessons when I was nine. Um, wow. And then I kind of stopped doing that when I was, I don't know, 12 or something. And I, I had an electric guitar that my parents had got me for Christmas. So I was in, like, I'm 30, so I was into, like, new metal and all that, like, corn and Limp Bizkit and all that stuff. That was all really big when I was mm. early teens. So that was my jam. Um, so I had an electric guitar and tried to play that kind of stuff and made bands with my mates. And then I... And then I went back to having the classical guitar lessons because I kind of missed it when I was maybe 15 or something. Um, I mean, it was basically just, yeah, playing. I was really lucky. Two of my friends at school both had parents, both their dads were like pro musicians, basically. So they like kind of already knew quite a lot about music and we started a band together and started doing gigs around North London when we were 15, probably. And we like kind of taught ourselves and each other lots from like writing tunes in our band it was like a kind of funk band and um and if yeah some of the other people who are in that band well yeah so there's a sax player called leo richardson who's just released his second album now yeah so he was yeah he was like one of my best mates at school and uh yeah some of the there's another guy uh who is kind of a producer now but he played bass in a band called Lester Salmons and he's got a project with Alpha Mist called uh, Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, both t- both members of Tia Tima as well, aren't they? Yes, they both. Yeah, Lester recorded on the first album, and Leo's recorded on yeah. both of them. Yeah, 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 exactly. And Fabio, who is a percussionist and drum kit player, and he plays drums for um, George Ezra. George Ezra. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah and he was also in our. I mean, he's also in Teotima, but he was also like in our first band together. And yeah, oh, yeah, that's amazing. I had no idea yeah, you guys we're went all... as far back as that. Yeah, it's kind of mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Leicester, yeah, they had a like a little kind of studio set up at their house, so we'd go and record ourselves. And yeah, it's very cool. Very cool. Very lucky, and like to have the the musician dads like coming to our gigs and afterwards giving us these kind of like kind of critiques you know <laughs> we'd be like oh wow okay uh, but it was great you know it was really good and we also you know like we all did music degrees of various kinds at different universities and, you know we all did the like the formal thing as well but I think we learned a lot playing with each other yeah that's amazing I always thought the coolest thing about like looking at the two Teotima albums is you know you the first one is this wonderful introduction to this incredible 
sort of jazz like ensemble orchestra but then mm. by by the time waitlist came out it's like you've become mm. all a super group because it was gone on. <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean though you've all so many of you have gone on yeah. to do all these amazing things and it's like now you all come back with all this level of experience and all these different bands yeah. and all these different labels and it's yeah, like yeah, now yeah. it's like it's a super group and that's it's got to be incredible cool. when you come back yeah it's very cool yeah I mean, when, you, when you guys all come back together in that environment for weightless is it is, is the the atmosphere different for when you're kind of between that and counting the ways yeah um but it, i think yeah it is different um but it might also partly be because like because we're all a bit oh well maybe it's the same thing because we're all a bit older and more experienced we're all kind of a bit more relaxed like i think when we recorded the first album for a lot of us well for, for me but for a lot of us it was the first time we had kind of really tried to do something like that like recording like all of us all completely live in a big studio and recording to tape and all this stuff so I think everyone was quite nervous and I was I was really like nervous as well I was really kind of on edge and I was probably a bit like a bit stressy over that that week that we were recording and then um since then from like doing lots more music and and everyone else doing lots more music I think everyone kind of got a bit more comfortable and a bit less maybe not less perfectionist, but more able to like put that to one side when you're, mm. when you're there, like doing the recording, because we've kind of learned that like freaking out doesn't actually make the end result better. <laughs> so it's just, it, which is, you know, you don't really, yeah, it's like, yeah, maybe it, maybe it's 3% better if you like really stress out about it, but that kind of marginal gain is not really worth it. If the choice is mm. between like eight hours on edge in a studio or eight hours where you basically just feel like you're hanging out with your mates. I'd much yeah. rather just have a really relaxed day and have it maybe be 3% not as good. Or something. Do you know what I mean? And that 3% is kind of theoretical. You don't really know. Like at the time when you're doing it, you're kind of like, Oh, it's really important that I really, you know, mention that this tiny little aspect of this song isn't going quite exactly right. But now I've kind of learned, to be like actually in a month when I listen back to the recording I'm going to have completely forgotten about that <laughs> tiny little thing that, that I thought wasn't perfect I'm going to forget you know because you can't you know I'm going to forget forget that I even ever had that thought so mm. I'm just gonna let go with it and eat some chocolate and have a nice time <laughs> <laughs> so the second the second when we recorded the second album it really like it it was really it was like a really fun, I think it was only four days altogether, but it was like very fun, very silly. Everyone was kind of like, you know, just totally messing around and trying to make each other laugh and just like being kind of being idiots in a really fun way. Um, that sounds whereas cool. the first album, yeah, exactly. Whereas the first album was very like, you know, I was definitely taking myself very seriously. And, uh, and I think that like, you know, m maybe made it a bit, a bit stressful for everyone so but you know it's not like the, when you listen to the two of them it's obviously not like you hear the second one and you're like oh god it's a bit sloppy isn't it sounds like they're having too much fun you know <laughs> like, i mean i'm assuming that's not what people think when they listen to it but yeah i could hear yeah. bits of, of people saying you're it you're it just throughout the recording yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it was that kind of thing it was yeah just being silly yeah and then so i guess wait no, yeah, I was no, just please, say go ahead, Ben go ahead. Landon, who we who we recorded them both with, yeah. Nostalgia seventy seven, obviously. Yeah, he's also you know just like a very relaxed kind of funny presence to have. A, you know, he's like he's kind of not taking it too seriously in a really good way. Like, like if you need if you need some input on something or you need to know if what if a take was okay or whatever, then you know he'll tell you. But the rest of the time, he's just kind of cracking joke and just being being fun, and that's also you know that also makes it makes the process really nice mm. and like takes the edge off because you can get so wrapped up in your art <laughs> but you have to be like that a little bit i know you you've, you've given examples for both ways where it's obviously can work i out mean better, but... yeah i think you do have to be like that but i also really think that once once you're like maybe you have to be like that when you're composing or something when you're doing the bit that's like you by mm. yourself but once you're like in a room with people and you've put all these people you know in a room together and I feel like you've got a bit of a responsibility to not you know to just be like a pleasant presence really because yeah but and also because I think the end the end result is going to be better basically if 
yeah. because people are having a good time when they're doing it. I think usually the end results can be better. Unless the vibe you're going for is like, you know, that real kind of method acting thing where you're like, oh, I need all the actors to be really uncomfortable because I want the whole vibe <laughs> to be completely weird, which I think is a thing, but I don't know if it's applicable in the music that I'm doing. No, probably not. But it's, um, yeah. I mean, because we're, we're, we're a few months shy of, of it having been out a year now in terms of waitlist. I think it was May last year, which yeah, is incredible. Was, I mean, yeah. how do you look back at its reception after uh, it's, uh, gosh, like five years in between projects? Is that right? I think 2013 yeah. was counting the ways, wasn't it? So, I mean, for, yeah. from that gap, did, did were you were you happy with how waitlist was received in general? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's so hard to say, really, because... You know, the the obvious things is like, oh, how much, you know, attention is it getting? Is it are people writing about it? Are people posting about it? All that kind of thing. And that's kind of measurable to some extent. But there can also be a bit of a black hole because you're kind of like constantly checking for new <laughs> updates or whatever. But then also you don't really know how many people are just like listening to it and they've, yeah. you know, downloaded it to their Spotify and they're just digging it every day and, you, and you'll never know really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, absolutely, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's been cool. I mean, I don't like. I feel like any the nature of this kind of business or industry is that you you kind of always want more. You know, like every little bit of attention or success, rather than sating you, it just kind of makes you hung, hungry for more. <laughs> mm. So I don't know if I'm like satisfied, but then I don't know if I w- if I would ever be because I don't. I think that's kind of the nature of the thing. Mm. But yeah, it's been cool. Did some gigs. Um, Very cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, is it difficult to assemble everyone for, for gigs or do you work with a smaller ensemble when you take um, it on the road? At the moment, the gigging lineup is eight people and, and wow. usually Harry, our sound engineer as well, who's amazing. So usually nine people. Um, but there's kind of like, a, there's, kind, there's pretty much two or even three people who like kind of for every spot in the band as it were so like there's you know there's almost like a whole b team and whole c team i mean that's not a nice way to say it but you know there's like there's a lot of people who have played the music and who are friends of the of of like the the main people or whatever for want of a better word and who kind of understand the vibe of the music so Mm. you know like we we might we can do a gig where of those eight musicians five or even six of them are like uh you know depths and inverted commas but you wouldn't really you wouldn't really tell the difference. I think that happened between, I had a mate who came to the launch gig and then also came when we played at Love Supreme. And then afterwards she was like, oh, it's like, there's there's only like only two of you are the same people as as the last gig I saw. And I was kind of like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I hadn't even really, I hadn't even really realised that because it just didn't feel like, didn't really notice because everyone, yeah, everyone kind of knows how, how to play it. And so that's good, you know, having like a wider, a wider network of people because obviously in London everyone's very busy and and it makes each gig even more different doesn't that's it true. I suppose. yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah because it, it does always it still feels like it's the same band but yeah there's a different flavor different solos different improvisations yeah hmm. I mean we had we had to have a like a, a depth singer for our launch gig actually because Ellie t- got really ill and totally lost her voice so just like oh, two really? Two days before, my friend Yvette, who's amazing, Yvette Ruby Williams, just kind of learnt the whole set and came and did it. And it, you know, it was just like not, not that big a deal. I mean, it was a massive deal, obviously, but for the, you know, for the audience or whatever, it was like, oh, different singer, okay. But you know, like, <laughs> yeah, which is nice. Yeah, it's very very cool. How did you um, hook up with uh, with Ellie uh, Rose Rosbridge Rose Rosbridge Big yeah. Um yeah, yeah. in the first, first place? Does she go back that far to, to school and stuff like that with you guys no, as well? That was undergraduate university. We were both at SOAS School of Oriental and African Studies in London at the same time. So I was doing music and linguistics, and she was doing music and anthropology. Yeah. So we just right. we met and started like playing tunes and jamming and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. It was very cool about Weightless. Her, like the her role was so was drastically increased. Yeah. Uh, from counting the ways, wasn't it? From just yeah. the, like, two songs, I think initially. Yeah. On counting the ways and Weightless, she got I think all but 
two or yeah, one, one five, time, I think. five out of the seven yeah. were were vocal tracks yeah 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 was that a conscious decision that you kind of uh when you sort of planned the album you wanted uh more vocals uh throughout the project or it's just something that happened organically it was a bit of both because what because the first album had so many musicians so even when we went into the recording for this second one i was trying to work out how to write music that had a similar kind of scale and like sense of scope and and that you could do similar textual stuff with but using less musicians basically and um so because for some of yeah because for some of the tunes on this album when i started writing them i was gonna see if i could make them work for even just like six musicians or something like that so i think i had an idea that it would be easier to or that I would find it easier to write kind of convincing music for less musicians if mm. if it was like songs, like strong songwriting and the and the vocalist and the songwriting element of it would kind of keep you engaged and pull you through. Because I think some of the tunes on the first album, although I have now kind of done arrangements of, so like Gloves Off on the first album, which has lots of strings and stuff, I've mm. now, we now play that live in the smaller thing like the eight piece thing but at the time i wasn't quite sure because gloves off in a way is a little bit a little bit more like classical music in the sense of the structure and the form like the 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 way it's written is like right taking li- different bits of source material and then just doing different things with them like putting them in different contexts and stuff which is kind of like a classical music composition technique rather than it being like a song with verse one verse two blah blah, blah. and um I think I thought it would be, e- yeah, I thought it'd be easier to write something good uh, for a smaller ensemble if it was more song-based, more than like composition-based, I guess. Right. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No. But, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, no. But also, obviously, I like I love working with Ellie and it was both like I, there was stuff that I wanted to write for her to sing, and there were also things that I wanted to give her and see what she would write and so we kind of worked in both those ways Mm. yeah Yeah, i feel like the music that you like the two looking at the sort of the two teotima projects like Mm. you're i feel like you've kind of got a very defined very succinct style and in terms of you completely absolutely know who you are but it's it's so strange because it's a style that is absolutely defined by its kind of it by its versatility if that makes yeah. sense defined by the fact that it's such a an amalgamation of all these different sort of styles and genres and sounds i mean do you yeah did you have a clear idea of what you wanted at the outset from going back to like carrying the ways yeah i think so and i still i find now often if i'm writing music a lot of the same things seem to pop up in my head of like what I want from it and how I want it to sound there's definitely like I guess the core things like a lot of Afro-Cuban and Afro-Brazilian music I think the core things that I'm trying to do are to do with like merging like interesting rhythmic stuff with interesting you know harmonic and melodic stuff so like it's so like I'm always attracted to things that like you could kind of dance to or groove to or bop to but maybe that are a little bit little bit weird something about the groove or something that's just like a little bit odd or interesting or curious but not enough that it's kind of like awkward and you couldn't dance to it and mm. mixing that with some kind of yeah harmonically melodically something the same kind of thing something that's just a little bit weird and that's just going to grab you a little bit and kind of make you listen and be like oh what's what's going on there like i'm really like i love gil evans you know who did a lot of the orchestration of miles davis album yeah and, yeah you know it was amazing with textures and harmonies and it was you know it's like it's like his stuff is so kind of listenable but also like really weird like lots of kind of odd stuff going on that doesn't that you know that doesn't really sound like anyone else and um and yeah and i guess cuban music and brazilian music because of the historic you know the what they what the sources are of like european folk music and and 
classical music mixed with African rhythms and yeah, African dance music. And you know, were there any kind of names that were doing what you're what you're doing? Were there because these are all sort of individual um yeah. uh, inspirations but was there was there anyone that you kind of looked at at any point and thought that's that's they're doing what i want to do because i i couldn't i can probably liken some bands since I, just from stuff that i had heard i remember uh, yeah counting the waves obviously was one i heard first and uh, i actually i'm, I'm a bit late on it because i got it a few months i think before waitlist had come out and that's okay. when i stumbled upon it and i listened to it and i'm thinking god this is this is really something you know. It's pretty special. So CD oh, purchased immediately. How did no, yeah. you How did you come across it? Um, I think it was probably initially from promo for for Waitlist. Okay, right, right, right. It was it was that, or yeah, it yeah. was I had just discovered First Word. Okay. And just when I discover a label, I'll attack that band campaign oh, and cool. scroll through. So I yeah, I, it was one of the two. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah. it may have been the, the latter. I think I may have discovered um, some other first word recordings and thinking, oh, this is an awesome label. Yeah. While discussing that, actually, how did you hook up with them? I mean, what a stunning label. Yeah, that was originally. Um, so one of another, yeah, another school link. Uh, one of my best friends from school, who's now a journalist, who I think works at The Economist now. Uh, Will, Will Coldwell, shout out to Will. If you, Hi, you Will. Um, <laughs> he went to Leeds Uni and First Word used to be based up in Leeds. Um, right. And so he kind of was doing DJ, he was DJing, like doing, Will was DJing at First Word nights and stuff like that in Leeds. And he knew Ali, um, who right. runs First Word. So That's when him. I mentioned to Will, this, I mean, this is years ago now, Oh yeah, you know I'm, I'm trying to do this project, and he was like, "Oh, you should send it to this guy I know in Leeds, Ali. He runs the label First Word." And then actually, I had heard of First Word because one of the first tunes they put out was this amazing before she was big, uh, Corrine Bailey Ray and Home Cut. So it's like a, that, that. Oh my gosh! I don't that even was know. I think. And Soweto Kinch on saxophone. Oh uh, yes, probably. Yes. Yeah, that would make that sense. That was my introduction to First Word. How uh, bizarre! Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's. But did you, because that's from like 10 or 12 years ago or something. Or I know, I, again, I'm late. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, funny. I, yeah. I discovered a completely different yeah, era. But so, yeah, probably, uh, well, very, very late 2018 for me. That probably would have been when I discovered that song and then oh, bought the album. Right. And thought, God, that's amazing. That's Great cool. album. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That was, that must have been when I was at school, when we were at school, like this first band with, Lester and Leo and Fabian, all these guys, that was a tune right. that, you know, we found somehow and we were kind of like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, it's a great I, song, yeah. Yeah, and I think because we all, like, played instruments, but we were into lots of different music, it seemed very natural to us. It was like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's hip-hop, it's got rapping, but it's, you know, it's got live instruments. And Obviously, that had been done before, but, like, for, like when we did our live gigs with that first band, we would try and find the silliest songs to cover and then try and make them as good as we could. So we did, like, Thong Song by Cisco and uh, like oh, Seven God. Days by Craig David, but like you know, full kind of arrangements with horns and stuff. Because I think our, our our idea was like this: this this would probably be actually really good if a good band played it. So let's just like you know, let's just kind of do it as well as we can. So I think we were, yeah. That uh, not that I'm comparing that song to Cisco or anything like that. But so I want to hear your version of Thong Song. <laughs> oh, I've probably got a recording somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But, that would um, be amazing. But, um, but that, that like, open idea of, like, kind of trying to play any style but with our instruments and just, like, attacking it, I think is... I mean, like, Lester uses a lot of live instruments in his production and stuff now still, you know, like that. Anyway, that's a whole other tangent. But, yeah, so I got in touch with Ali and... Um, and I just we had just done two tunes because we recorded Gloves Off and Counting the Ways first back in 2012 or 2011 even. I can't, might have been 2011, actually, those two. And then got in touch with Ali and sent him those. And he said, oh, yeah, this is cool. If you'd like, if you do a whole album, definitely send it over because we'll probably be up for releasing it. So that lit, that lit the fire. And then I, yeah, then we did the rest of the album. It must be in 2012. And then it must, yeah, come out in 2013, I guess. Yeah, sorry, I'm quite rambly. Sorry, no, <laughs> giving no, you loads of stuff yes, you don't no, need to I, know. No, I honestly, I, I, I'm such I a, a no. There'll be no, 
there'll be no editing. I don't. It's like I. Uh, no, I'm just. I'm a real. I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I'm incapable of editing. I mean this is all gold. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like. Oh, I don't know how did that work. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just. I'm such a fan. I'm. I'm really like. Oh, I adore really those lovely. two albums. So just hearing you talk about it, I've wanted to talk to you about it for ages. That's so this, really is, nice. this is gold for me. Yeah. This I is, mean, it's great for me as well. Like, yeah, like I say, you know, you you put something out into the ether, and then often you don't really know what's what's coming back. So it's really nice just just to hear that someone's really enjoying it because that's obviously the whole that's the whole idea i guess to go back to what you were saying about the versatility but like it like it's sounding like we have a very particular style but also that the style encompasses lots of different things i definitely you know have a bit of a fantasy like we would watch when we were teenagers you know the documentaries about like the funk brothers like the motown house band and right like we definitely all are into like those amazing bands of just like wicked session guys who can just kind of you know session people who can just do any style and like make it but but still always have their own sound and I definitely had a bit of a kind of like fantasy that we would maybe maybe we, we still will but you know that we'd get gigs occasionally like playing for other people or something and that we could just kind of do do whatever and make it sound really great whatever the style was oh that's that's really exciting like a, yeah. a, a vocalist featuring uh to yeah. team for a whole project that's exactly really exciting. that kind of thing yeah yeah so maybe that'll still happen that'll be fun because then it's a but bit less be- pressure then you don't have to write all the music <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, well you can hook up with cisco for thong song oh well. <laughs> i mean he would he's been waiting <laughs> Yeah, I actually need to get back to him. I've got a lot of un- unread texts from Cisco. Yeah. But in Poor fairness, guy. though, you're very much a one-man version of what you're trying to achieve for the band. I mean, when you look at all of the other projects that you're currently a part of. Right. So one of the questions I would have said to you was, hey, that's quite a long gap between projects. Yes. But then I look at everything that you've done. Yeah, since, right. Um, right, 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 right. like, well, I'm amazed that there was a second Tio team of project at all. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, me too. I just like, you're saying like, you're mentioning the hip hop stuff, or, yeah. obviously, which makes me think of your, is it pronounced, is it fur or F-U-R? Yeah, yeah. No, no, fur. Yeah, fur. yeah. Just like fur, like from that you make coats from or the animals have. Yeah. Them. So like, yeah, what yeah. an amazing album that is. Oh, like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's also quite weird isn't it I, list, I went back and listened to a bit of that yesterday and I was like yeah it's cool it's weird it's really weird but I think when you're in it and you're making it you don't necessarily you're not totally aware of how weird it is because it's all become quite normal to you but then when mm. I listen back to that album there's some pretty fruity stuff happening which is cool which I'm into <laughs> is there is there more from that that project in the, in the pipeline at all you think or not at the moment i mean uh josh the rapper is also a teacher like well a full-time teacher he lives around the corner from me but he's like i'm sure as you know the teaching profession is a time suck these days in england yeah. so and he's like you know he's really good and really dedicated and then so he's still making stuff but i i mean i think we like we both got very busy I was doing an MA and he was teaching. It was kind of me and Josh that were like, uh, you know, like making, we were the ones who would like organize rehearsals and organize gigs and stuff. So even though the music was like collaborative, if Josh or I weren't like making things happen, then, then it, then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't happen. So Mm. yeah. And I think, uh, I'm up, yeah, I'm up for doing more of that stuff, but it's, um, it's made, this is like a problem or an issue that I have generally is that because a lot of the music I want to want to make basically involves like quite a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, it means that by definition, it also involves quite a lot of time spent organizing and all that kind of thing. Mm. And cause I don't have that. I don't at the moment, at least I don't have an idea of like a project that I would want to do. That's just kind of me, you know, on my laptop, like producing music. Um, so every, so whenever I'm kind of thinking about, doing some work on a project I'm also kind of thinking about like okay so how many other people are we going to need and how much time are we going to need from these people and how are we going to make the finances work and do we need to apply for funding because obviously we want to pay everyone properly and all this kind of thing I mean at the beginning when I just graduated from uni and we were all kind of in our early 20s 
the, like everyone was everyone had a bit more time and was kind of up for doing things for free or not that much money or whatever but now it's like even though everyone's friends in a way that in a way that makes it a little bit harder to ask people to do things for free because you're basically just asking your friends to work for free and right. no one like i don't i don't want to ask my friends to work for free because that's not really that cool um so yeah because all, all you know the things i want to do seem to inv- you know have a big scale or like involve quite a few other musicians it's always like a it's always a you know okay i really want to do this thing right better write a funding application you know like that whole mm. kind of thing um oh, which is fine yeah. i mean yes yeah, you know could be worse it's amazing that there's fund you know that there are funding bodies and that you can write the applications and get the money because you know there's a lot of places around the world even the states or whatever where i think it's a lot harder to to do that so mm. yeah is there something at the moment that you're kind of chomping at the bit to kind of try and explore further or are you kind of focusing on the teaching thing for now or um i've got these two trios um both are like guitar bass and drums so because a lot of the stuff i was doing was stuff where i was writing music uh, i wanted to like spend some time just playing songs that i liked in a kind of jazzy way so in the way that lots of kind of modern jazz musicians like Bill Frizzell or other people will take just songs they like, like Beatles songs or whatever, and then kind of play them as jazz songs, like using them as starting point for improvisation. So I wanted to do something like that with lots of different um, songs that I liked and like playing in a trio setting just because it's not, because most of the stuff, like I said, most of the stuff I've done has involved a lot of other people. So wanted to like mm. try making music in small setting so one of the trios is with tom herbert the bass player who's obviously amazing and an amazing drummer called george bird and at the moment it's just called bird herbert sanders which conveniently uh abbreviates to bhs great british <laughs> institution um so that's yeah that's really hopefully we're going to record a bit later this year but it's kind of like you know there's like some Joni Mitchell tunes and some uh, like uh, Donny Hathaway and uh, wow. maybe a Radiohead tune. I think well, there's one that me and George have played. Yeah, like just kind of lots of different tunes that we really like and improvising on them. Mm. And then another trio with another two friends, a bass, a bass player also called Greg Greg Gottlieb, who played on the on that Telehetta thing. Yeah, so that's with Greg Gottlieb mm. on bass and a drummer called. Leandro Mancini Olivos and it's a similar idea like kind of jazzy approach but the repertoire for that one is like lots of Latin American Brazilian Argentinian Spanish like different kind of folk songs and stuff like that and that's called Nightshade Family so those are both things where I'm where I don't have to write the music and I'm kind of you know taking apart other people's music and trying to improvise on it do you find do you enjoy writing in general or is it something that you you find you feel uh, pressure about uh, it's a bit of both i mean it's like sometimes it's you know like a fun little game or a fun little exercise or task when you've got like when you've got a little task that you're kind of having a go at and you're just trying out different possibilities or options and that can be quite fun sometimes it can be very frustrating when you're kind of hearing something in your head but you just can't you can't kind of realize it you've like everything you're realizing is kind of not really what you're hearing sometimes um i mean i really like like have having written something like if if the end result is something that i like then there's definitely a nice feeling of like oh cool i did that i wrote that that's cool (laughs) but some sometimes the process can be a bit of a slog like there's definitely a you know you get an idea and you get an inspiration or you hear something in your head and you're like okay cool I'm gonna make that and then you do the first little bit the fun bit when you're kind of inspired inspired and excited and then often there's quite a bit of just kind of like legwork when you're just working out like okay that's some nice ideas but how is this actually going to be a thing you know with a form or a structure or some kind of identity that means it it's you know like finished for want of a better word and that can be a lot of just like 
using some compositional tools and trying some things out and just mm. kind of chipping away, um, which which can be really kind of boring and also like a weird, like kind of obsessive and boring. And you like spend a day just thinking about that. I mean, well, yeah, it's I, you know, I guess like any like any kind of hobby or whatever that could get a bit obsessive. Maybe it's the same for you if you're going down a band camp hole that can be like <laughs> can be kind of intoxicating but also yes. a bit like, Oh god, am I yeah, I am gonna spend my whole day doing this. Okay, I guess I'm <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna go with it and I don't know if I'm really gonna have anything to show for it at the end of the day. <laughs> Do you well, know you what I mean? Great music. That's the, yeah, I, I hope some, that's both of our answers really. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you do, and then it, and that feels really great. And sometimes you don't, and you just have to try not to think about it too much. <laughs> You've just—I mean, it's never a waste. I think that's the thing. Even if you're writing things that, in the end, you're like, "Well, I don't like that." I feel like it's never a waste because you've tried some things out and you've learned. Okay, well, I don't like that. So you've got a little bit closer to something that you do like. Maybe. I, I kind of like that you've said that, though. Is you, you're you 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 chip away at something in terms of i spoke to someone recently who makes music and they they i think i cited um i think it's rod templeton i didn't check it and I, oh, I right. this example and he had said that if it's in the air and you grab it and if you have to think about it too long then it just wasn't meant to be that's what he had said uh, and I, I i kind of always thought that that was an interesting way of of, of doing it because i was also i also heard um no, a I mean, Jeff Buckley story about him making Hallelujah and him being something like in his hotel room, banging his head on the floor because he couldn't finish this song. And I always thought, I love both stories of, of something that comes naturally, happens instantly. But then, yes, you can slog away at something for a very, very long time and get yeah. something and still find that diamond. And I kind of yeah. like both versions. So you're in the latter, I guess. Well, I think for me i think both those are true but they kind of refer to different parts of the process like right. if you've heard heatwave which was rod temperton's like band band that he was in right. kind of before, before he was just writing for other people and all that yeah like those or or even like on on the special edition of um off the wall there's like some of the demos that like michael jackson and his siblings made of some of the mm. songs that he wrote and um, they're ho- horrible. They're like awful to listen to. As in, <laughs> as in, like you can hear that it's um, "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough." Like it's obviously that song. All the all the material is there. All the hooks are there. Like the vibe of the song and the harmonies and everything. But there's like you know crappy percussion playing, dodgy drum programming. Like it's not. It's not like. It's not a finished product that you would want to release and have anyone listen to. So I feel like, yeah, totally. Sometimes the inspiration is in the air when you're like, oh, okay, I've got, I've got something. I've got a song that's like, it's there, but, but sometimes it's not, it's not all like revealed yet. And you have to, the, the work or the slog is kind of like when you're like, okay, I know that there is something there but I haven't like uncovered it all yet. And I just need to try lots of different things, mm. look at it from lots of different angles. Cause I, I feel like I can only do that aspect, the like the slog aspect. If I'm, if I know that I like the original idea right. anyway. So I don't know if what, because also like, to, again, to go back to that, the Michael Jackson thing, those albums like off the wall and whatever, like the, I talk about this with mates a lot. Like, obviously, Michael Jackson was a total artistic genius. Quincy Jones, total artistic genius. But the number of different, like, uh, specialists involved, like Quincy as a producer, whoever wrote all the horn parts, all right. the session musicians who played all their parts ridiculously well, the mix engineer who I read some interview with the guy who mixed that album, and he was talking about how they he did about like 16 different mixes of rock with you or something. And then in the end they decided that mix number two was the best one. You know, like there's all these specialists who are, who are slogging, you know, like to, to make the final product as amazing as it is. And obviously like, yeah, there's a, there's a diamond there in, in whoever's Michael Jackson's original idea for a song and the demo. And that's a diamond, but it still took, maybe like 30 other 
kind of like extreme specialists to like to you know working together in their like slogging away to make this thing that is now obviously you know recognized as like one of the pinnacles of western popular art or you know like those something like that album you know it's like you know everyone loves it in terms of pop music and any musician Mm. will say that's do you know what i mean it's got the like absolutely it's got the weight and the popular appeal and everything you know Oh, another ramble, but <laughs> that's kind of what I mean. That like both the, I don't think that the inspiration being in the air and the slog are mutually yeah. exclusive. I think they can be part of the same, you know, part of the same thing. That's a perfect answer. No, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, it isn't going to be one or the other. That's all. You're absolutely right. Um, in terms of these uh, additional people that you're talking about that help bring a project to life with small touches, uh, somebody you mentioned uh, earlier, Ben Lambdin, yeah, uh, Proud Seventy Seven. I mean, how uh, what a great introduction. Um, yeah, uh, he is. What great presence he is to, yeah. to to both albums. How did how did that meeting uh, that collaboration come about? Was so Alaric Taylor, who played trumpet on the first album, was okay. in touch with amazing sax player called James Bullsock. I think he, they were friends and they were studying. Alec, Alaric was having lessons with him, I think. Um, and James Allsop and Ben Lambdin are good friends and they do a lot of work together. Um, James does Nostalgia 77 things, plays sax on them and Ben often records James's albums and stuff like that. So I think through them, Alaric gave me Ben Lambdin's phone number and I, called him or sent him a message or something and said, you know, I've, I've never really done anything like this before, but I've decided I want to record an album completely live to tape with strings and horns and, you know, all this kind of stuff, which I guess most engineers, if, you know, they got a phone call from a 22-year-old or whoever saying that would probably be like, oh, for God's sake, this is going to be really dry and <laughs> stressful. Um, but he was just really up for it. He was like, yeah, yeah, I love recording things to tape. Uh, the studio is quite big. Come and have a look around. I'm sure we can fit your musicians. Let's do it, basically. So that was that. And that was amazing because, I, I mean, I definitely needed someone like that who wasn't... Because sometimes you might... Some engineers, they might... I guess any engineer would like to record things the way that they're comfortable, the way that they know they can get a good sound. So I think... I was a bit worried that I would say to someone, oh, I want to record everything live and have all the strings and horns and stuff. And they would say, nope, you're going to do it like this. You're going to record mm. the drums first and then you're going to get the strings in the next day and we're going to do the strings in this room and, you know, and just kind of tell me, you know, tell me how it was going to happen. And right. I definitely had this kind of romantic vision of like, we're all going to be there in the studio playing at the same time, recording to tape. And Ben was just like, yep, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> So, so that was great and then and once we were in there yeah like I said just very you know but he's recorded loads of people so you know he's seen it all before in terms of like people stressing out or getting worried about how they're playing or and he's you know kind of got a very good you know like just sitting in his chair at the desk pressing record and you know giving useful suggestions and generally being lovely and and chilled out and also because the you know a lot of the music that he writes and that he makes is in a similar sound world and you know he's obviously got like a proper you know crate digger vinyl collection and you know knows all the obscure african latin american you know he knows all those sound worlds so there wasn't really anything there wasn't really anything in the sound world that was like uh out of his comfort zone right which is great because it's it is quite niche music in a lot of ways so it's good to find someone mm. who who's not phased by that yeah no it's super cool it's a yeah it's a really nice um as i said presence that it, it kind of brings to the album i think having his name a name of such magnitude you know for, yeah for being with you guys from the start as well it's a, yeah it's a cool thing yeah 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 i mean i do i definitely want to I want to get back there, get back to the fish factory and record more things. There, Yeah, there are little bits of writing happening, but... Wonderful. Yeah, balancing the, the slog and the inspiration. Yes, I mean, and, and well, and everyone's schedules and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Said, that's going to yeah. be the biggest thing to try and get everyone exactly. together. But I, I can't imagine anyone's going to be anything but more 
but do everything to kind of clear their schedules for oh totally Every, yeah. yeah everyone's it, it's always been really yeah i mean it's difficult but it's also been really easy in terms of everyone's attitude everyone's really lovely and wants to make it happen and yeah 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 that's great that's really, there's a lot of goodwill which is really good yeah it is i mean gosh i mean to be sort of present for for those kind of projects i mean it's yeah it, it's certainly two special things that you've put out into the world under that under that banner so it's uh it's it's yeah the, the prospect of more is very very exciting cool. uh, you had um there were a couple of remixes that came out for yes um uh the the, the weightless projects you had yeah. the, the k k15 remix or and yeah and the sound species remixes for, but I can't, I mean, yeah. how do you, do you enjoy seeing your kind of music being out yeah, of your yeah, hands yeah. and reinterpreted in other ways? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, yeah, yeah. I'm completely up for it. Like, um, I think, uh, yeah, when they like, I think K15 did his one first and, um, and then I, I guess him or Ali or someone like sent it over to me like you know is this is this cool are you happy with this and I was just kind of like yeah yeah this is great like you know I've done I definitely I'm into the the idea of like you know I've I've made I've made it my way so that's done so now anyone else can do whatever they want with it really you know like I've done mm. I don't, it would feel weird to me to be kind of like um telling a remixer how the remix should sound or something like that yeah. unless i was getting it done for some really specific purpose but no no it's just cool to me the idea of other people like opening up all those sound files and all those webs and and getting to play with them and, and do their thing so that's cool i don't i don't know k15 personally but i do know the sound species guys um because there's they're, they're two of four brothers and i know all the brothers and they're all friends and they're all lovely so that was also quite fun like sending yeah, them sending them the files and saying cool do your thing (laughs) um yeah and it seems to have like you know got got the tunes exposure in different you know slightly different worlds and different settings which is always good yeah i'm a big fan of remixes in general because i think they do that they kind of benefit everyone i i I kind of think the guy that's done them the guy that's being remixed i think it really as you said it just brings them into new audiences on both sides and i always i always quite like that is there kind of a dream person that you'd love to i don't know have remixed your project or someone you'd like to collaborate with is there anyone that you're just would love to Oh man, I genuinely never really thought about that, which is weird. Maybe because I'm always because with the third team and stuff, I'm always kind of writing for my for my friends in a way, like for the people mm. in the band in a in a not too syrupy way. Like they're they're, they're my dream collaborators, but um, so and I already get to collaborate with them. But yeah, do I have? Oh, I don't know. Off the top of my head, I don't know. Remixes. Who are the like? The producers who I'm like really into, man, I really don't know actually. Fine, or even just that you'd like to hook up with someone who just like yeah, who background for or something like that. Or oh yeah, I mean oh so many. Again, now I'm just like sorry, yeah, it's (laughs) not (laughs) fair. There's definitely oh man, I I don't know, I can't think off the top of my head. (laughs) I mean, probably lots of people that aren't alive anymore, Um, right? like oh bill withers is still alive but he's just but he's just keeping a really low he just kind of got out of the game like many years ago yeah and just um just kind of hangs out and has a nice time that would be cool playing with bill withers and and uh, and james gadson who played drums for him he's still like he played on the last um d'angelo album he's still around doing stuff um that would be cool there's probably oh yeah I don't know. There you go. Bill Withers and James Gadsden. That's a no, wonderful pick. <laughs> but Bill Withers is such an interesting pick for you, I, th- I guess, in terms of uh, in oh, all the I other stuff Bill that Withers. you've done. Yeah, from all the stuff that you've done, though, I guess that I wouldn't, you know, a quintessential soul artist in that respect. It's like, that's probably not something that I've seen attached to your music, which is very, very cool. Yeah. But it's, I think what I love about that stuff, like Bill Withers, is that it's the, yeah, it's the combination of it's like, you know, really amazing songwriting at, and also really amazing musicians um, yeah. Yeah. and being tasteful and like, but really groovy and everyone 
everyone just kind of doing their bit in an incredibly stylish, excellent way. <laughs> mm. um, You'd yeah. slot right in, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super cool. That's a nice, perfect answer. Great. That's Thank really you. Good. So uh, uh, I think I mentioned um, I've completely invaded your night. Yeah. So uh, so I, I will let you go. But before I do let you go, yes, we have a we have a closing song. Uh, was there anything that you thought of? Yeah, uh, I of- did. I didn't want to. I didn't want to think about it too much because it could go on forever. But there's um, <laughs> when we were. I think when we were mixing this last tier team album, me and Ben Lambden, and we were like you know playing each other tunes to get an idea for for the sounds and stuff that we wanted when we were mixing. And there was something that he played me. I don't think particularly because he want, because he was thinking about it as a reference for the Teotima stuff, but just because it's ama- an amazing recording. And it's um, Leon Thomas. Um, oh, wow. And I can't remember what the album's called. I'm going to find it now. But the song is The Creator Has a Master Plan. And I think the album that it's from is, I think it's like a whole live album i think um because it, it sounds like a lot so i think the tune is maybe originally a pharaoh sanders tune although i haven't actually listened to the original one um so yeah leon thomas the creator has a master plan and he does some incredible jazz yodeling which i didn't even know was a thing until ben played me this <laughs> song this album but if anyone can jazz yodel it's leon thomas <laughs> That's wonderful. What a perfect pick. Yeah. That's a perfect pick. Oh, man. You know I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry? I, you know I, I, I think I do. I, I think yeah. I do. Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, but yeah. you threw me with the jazz yodeling, so maybe I don't. I was like, <laughs> hang on. I thought I knew which one we were talking about. I'm like, oh, I, I would definitely remember jazz yodel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Thank you so much for your time. I'm really happy thank that you, you kind of you, you found my email and. Uh, and uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been, yeah, super cool. I'm a huge fan. Congratulations with uh, oh, both of these projects and God, everything that you've done in between and uh, <laughs> that you're going to continue to do. Thank you. I really appreciate Amazing it, stuff. man. Thank you. Creator has a master plan Happiness for every man The Creator 
Peace and happiness through all 